I'll be too nervous to. I'll probably lost the words. this week's Lost for Words podcast. I'm joined as ever by Jason. Jason, hello. I thought we weren't doing hellos anymore. So no, we can do hellos. Evening. It's just I just don't care how you are, that's all. <laughs> that's, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah, I'm fine, thank you. How are you? <laughs> yeah, I'm good, thanks. Right. Um, Scottish Open is the first one I'm going to talk about this week. Uh, Rolex Series event for the first time since the uh, lifting of the lockdown, uh, which means we've got some better names here this week, haven't we? Yep. Toby's turned up. Um Matthew Fitz has turned up, and you know the rest of. Quite frankly, we've seen them, haven't we, um, yeah. for most of the year. So yeah, the top two um, on official rankings would appear to be good, but you know anybody who wants five to one couple, good luck. Yeah, I mean you've got Ian Pulse has sprinkled in there as well, haven't you? But I noticed on his uh, Instagram the last couple of days that his, his clubs haven't turned up or something rather, and he said that. Uh, someone said, well, you can just play with a set off the truck. And he said, I won't do that. If my clubs don't turn up, I won't play. So I don't really fancy that kind of uh, risk. And, uh, you know, Poulter's Poulter, isn't he? You never know. We can get with him each week anyway. Uh, Matt Wallace, we haven't seen much of in the uh, European tour, have we? But otherwise, like you say, we've seen the other guys. We've seen Peters has had a return since he's become a new dad. Kymer's Kymer, isn't he? We can get onto him in a second. And the defending champion, Bern Wiesberger, is here. Uh, on Wiesberger, I think it's fair to say this is going to be a very different event to what it was last year, isn't it? Yeah, I think the wind, the rain's going to come. I mean, not that, not that it really. I don't think it bothers him that much. Uh, I'm still amazed he's got where he is in the world, but you know, you have to be wrong at some point. <laughs> uh, but he does. He, he he does like links. To be fair to him, but he's he's not going to be winning in 22 under. That's for sure. Um, whether that whether that is to his detriment or not. Um, you know, I'm not entirely sure he played well at the Alfred Dunhill um, in the autumn. Um, you know, so he's, he, to be fair, he's got he's got form on links at various parts of the year, but he's going to be 22. He is playing well. Uh, I I think he's overachieving personally, um, so I, I wouldn't be interested at 25. But you know, he, he's he's quite comfortable in the top echelon, so you know, fair enough if that's the way you want to play. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't it doesn't necessarily bother me. Uh, with Wiesberger in particular, whether it's a low scoring or a high scoring, or whether I think he just generally plays the golf course as it is and generally plays pretty well, doesn't he? Like you say, he overachieves a fair amount for, for the type of player he is. He's in Ryder Cup contention at the moment and things like that. Um, but he shot 61 here last year, and I can't see there being a 61, um, you know, maybe 64, 65, even a 63. You know, you see that in an open sometimes. Um, but this is September now. Last year it was played in July. Uh, I was going to go into October, isn't it, this event? And, um, you know, as we know, it's an unpredictable time of year for weather. There'll probably be a bit of rain. There'll probably be a bit of wind. Oh, there will be plenty of wind. Um, you know, it's just not going to be the same event, is it? And, that, and that's something that we need to bear in mind because, you know, it, it, 20, like you say, 22-under is not going to win. You know, what what do we think the winning score is going to be? You know, what where are we looking at, do you think? It's, it's oh, difficult yeah. to predict, isn't it, on this type of course? Do, do you know what? As we've seen over the last few weeks, you know, there are certain players that are relishing a tough test. Um, they really are coming to the fore. Um, and there's some here. We, we always say that Scandinavians, for example, um, they come over um, to the Irish Open, Scottish Open, our Open. Um, they always do well. doesn't matter what you throw at them, wind, rain, whatever. 
you know, Ricky Fowler has always done well in an open. Doesn't matter what you what you throw at him. Um, so there's certain certain players that that will play really well in that sort of circumstance, and and definitely there's there's some in the field where, um, you know, they're going to be. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? They're going to be um, less. Less advantaged by it, should we yeah. say that? There, there, there are links players and bad weather players. There are, and and they just they just can handle it a lot better, can't they? You know, it, I mean, not saying they're going to win, but the Ollisons of the world, Colsarts of the world, you know, they're they're proven in this sort of in this sort of nonsense. As are a couple of players that we're going to talk a bit more about later. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I think I think one thing I do tend to think about in links events. Um, you know, never that a favourite can't win because, of course, they can. But I always think it opens up the field a little bit, and I always feel a lot more confident. Not going for complete outsiders because you can't just take people that are playing with one arm every week. But you know, we're I think there's plenty as we're going to start off with our first sort of picks around the forty and fifty to one range. Um, I just I just think there's enough there to oppose the top of the billing. I know we spoke just off air, didn't we? That you know Westwood's playing well. Kaim has been playing well for his demons and and, and things like that. But um, I'd, I'd rather just take a guy, and, and obviously you feel the same this week, Jason, that, you know, 40, 50 to 1 and bigger. Um, this is the sort of event where they can come to the fore. Yeah, I mean, look, you, you can't knock what um, Fleetwood and Fitzpatrick are doing. I mean, um, you know, you look at their form, um, you know that Tommy loves it, absolutely loves a bit of wind, um, you know, loves the rain. We, we can't, you know, we can't knock him. He, Flew in at Portugal um, really late. Um, didn't do a lot last time uh, when he was fancied. But, yeah, you know, the, the, he won't mind the conditions. Fitzpatrick, I, I can't work Matt Fitzpatrick. He's really, really popular with punters. Um, but I, I just find he goes off too short for the amount of times he wins. I personally find he goes off too short. Um, again, I, you can't knock him on, on paper. He has a massive chance. But, uh, yeah, like you say, I think does that make him... Are they five times more likely to win, ten times more likely to win than than some we're going to put up? Probably not. You know, we we go back to who was a who was a short price that won this year. I mean, Bryson um, when he was lobbed in, um, and look, go back very recently. You know that I was I was very keen on Mackenzie Hughes last week at twenty. Um, played really well. Zalatoris played well in the end. Yeah, Zalatoris played well in the end. Um, you know, away from the pressure to be fair. Um, but just as an example, you know, those two did look to have a little bit of a class edge. And, you know, they got beat by a fella returning from, you know, oblivion. So, yeah, I, I'm, unless there's, they're absolutely rock solid, I, I'm not really interested in playing at 10s and 12s, to be honest. I think the thing with what you say there about Fitzpatrick is that you find him a bit short. I used to think, you know, when he was winning in 2018 and 2017, I used to think he actually went off quite big for the player he was at that time. I used to think he was a little bit underrated. Uh, and that's why I always quite liked him. And then just just over the last year or so, I mean, you know, he's had you know well, I think it was six or seven seconds last year, whatever it was. You know, he's been up there and he's been contending, uh, but he hasn't got over the line for you know almost two years now, over two years. And I just thought that's you know, it's, I don't think he suddenly can't win. I think he's taken on bigger fields. He's trying to split his time between America and Europe and things like that. But you know the fact remains, doesn't he? He hasn't been winning, so he's he's priced as if he has been winning for, you know, recently, and he, and he hasn't. And I think that that is something that you need to take 
you know, stock of, you know, you've got 10 to 1 Fleetwood, 12 to 1 Fitzpatrick, and then and then it's 22 to 1 and bigger the rest. I just think that's quite a, a dramatic drop-off. And like you say, they had really solid cases. They had both gone into the US Open and, and finished top 20, top 30, whatever, after playing well the week before. You'd think, okay, well, fair enough. You know, we we wrote Fleetwood off, didn't we, in Portugal, and, and we sort of said right. he was just there for a jolly up and spend some time with family and maybe just try and figure something out before the US Open and he finished third. But um, he still, his, his long game still looks a bit suspect. Um, and there's always a question mark over his short game at times. And and Fitzpatrick, generally, I think he's a tidy player, but never never seems to stand out in any one category. So I just I just think there's enough to oppose there. And, and then we say, we go on to Thomas Peters and Kymer. Well, they've both got their... Got their scar tissue. Um, Burnt Wiesberger. It's going to have a lot of... It, as, again, it, I don't think the obligations are as much as a defending champion at the moment, are they? So I think it's slightly easier at the moment to defend the title mm-hmm. than it would be. Um, obviously playing well. Obviously suited to the test. So I don't think there's anything wrong with looking at Burnt Wiesberger. I just think that... I just think... Just, you know, double the price about the people we're going to talk about in, in a minute. I don't think there's massive amounts between them. It's just that I suppose Wiesberger has got it done when he's needed to. I suppose. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, for the casual punter, at the end of the day, if you're if you're backing someone like Fitzpatrick at twelve, you know, and he doesn't win, you get placed. You're only doubling your money, your overall stake. Um, you know, if that if that's the sort of thing, you know, you're, you're you're doing a lot of work just to do that, aren't you? Yeah. Um, I mean, Wiesberger. When you look at it, I, I'm not. Convinced Wiesberg is overpriced, but is he is he twice less likely to win, or is Fitzpatrick twice more likely to win than Wiesberg? I'm not particularly sure. I mean, um, it just doesn't appeal. You know, I see it in blue, so obviously the 14s or something has gone early on Fitzpatrick. Fair enough. If, if you know, if that's what people want, that's what people want. It's, it's not for me. So. I was just saying, the majors are not the be-all and end-all, are they? But, you know, Fitzpatrick's missed the cut of the US Open and the PGA already this season. Um, Riesberg has made both of those cuts. No, he's not performed particularly well. He had a little run um, at both, and he finished tied 43rd in both of the events. But he finished 33rd at Valderrama, which doesn't particularly suit his game, 5th at the UK Championship. He's been over here, hasn't he? You know, he nearly won that UK Championship. He was only two off of Hogard and, and Walters in the playoff. Um, and he seems to—he just seems to be sort of holding it together and holding his form together more than than others. So, yeah, I, of, yeah, I agree. Of, of the I, group, I, I suppose he would be him and Kymer would probably make the most appeal. We spoke about Lee Westwood is playing playing tremendously at the moment. Um, but let's let's go further down. Let's we talked about Scandinavians. Let's let's go to the first pit that we both like. Um, and there's another guy there at a similar price as well. But we'll go to Joachim Lagergren first. Um, 50 to 1 top 8 or 45 to 1 top 8 I think he is now no he is 50 still um, 3 top 4 finishes in the Alfred Dunhill links tied 3rd and 2 fourths, and he's got a tied 12 as well he was tied 23rd here last year he's won in the Northern Ireland on the Challenge Tour in 2014 um, 12th at the Irish Open in 2018 and he's gone 24th 3rd and 5th in his last 3 starts now I don't really know what else to add to that, other than maybe you can go a little bit deeper into it. No, I agree. I mean, we're, we were watching him, um, the, the Irish and the Scottish, you know, so close together. It's really, really important. I think form from the Irish or, or showing something in the Irish is going to count for an awful lot. 
because um, that did turn out to be a lot harder test than I think everyone imagined it was going to be at the start. Um, you know, and I did, I did write in my for once successful sporting life column that um, Lagerin should be watched over the weekend or certainly on Sunday for signs. Uh, Saturday, he didn't play well at all. Um, missed quite a few, looked quite upset coming down the stretch at, at um, some of his wayward shots, um, but turned up on Sunday and, and performed, you know, so, I mean, so much better. I mean, better than four shots, better than the, the third round, I thought. Um, and that's going to set him up absolutely beautifully for here. He's got everything. I mean, um, he whacks the ball an absolute mile, which is going to help down here. Um, you know, he's certainly not going to be punished. Um in the rough like they were last week when he was when he was slightly wayward but he's you know he's he's playing tremendously well and as you say tom you've summed it up his links form is absolutely great we know that scandinavians turn up in ireland they turn up in scotland they turn up in air open um and and at 50 to one he's i wouldn't say he's he's particularly overpriced you know at 40 he'd be mm, i don't know if he's a bet but i i think if you want a really solid solid go at, at the Scottish Open, then, then you know, Lagergren has to be it. I, I think he, 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 I mean, he might, what was he, 55 earlier? There's bits of blue there. So I presume he's 55. I, I think someone put up 66 on Twitter earlier, um, which is absolutely madness. So, yeah, he's in flying form. Um, we'll love conditions. Windy, doesn't matter. Rain, it doesn't matter. Um, yeah, I, I don't really know. As you say, to coin your phrase, Tom, what more you want from a player? <laughs> well, the, the thing is, so... Just going back to a couple of points you made there. Um, he was third at last year's Dunhill Links, which was just a couple of places above Tommy Fleetwood, who obviously is someone that he's trying to contend against this week. Um, and as you mentioned, the Irish Open as well last week. Normally this precedes the Open Championship, doesn't it? The Scottish mm. Open. And, and it's always important to find some links for him before going in. Uh, obviously not the case this week. But last week's Irish Open was meant to be kind of a bit of a low scoring affair, wasn't it? There was meant to be... I think someone tore it apart yeah. before and there was going to be some 15, 16, 18 unders. Obviously, John Catlin got to turn under in the end, 64 in the final round. It took him to get there, though. Um, so it was a tough enough test. And we go back to the Scandinavians and there was three Swedish players in the top 14 last week alone. Yeah. Like, the evidence is there. It's not a case of you're just trying to find a compatriot angle or anything like that. They generally do play well in these types of events. They did it all last week, including Lagergren, who did it himself. Um, and and to me, I just personally think that although, yes, the field is stronger than it has been since lockdown, this is obviously arguably the strongest field they've had, or is the strongest field they've had. Um, I just think, I suppose I'm gonna, it might make me look silly again like I did at Portugal Masters, I just think adding Fleetwood and Fitzpatrick into the field doesn't alter my thinking about anybody else. So, like, I will still play the same players I'd have played if they were in the field or not um, because I think they're there to be beaten. Um, and if I think that, then I'm just delighted that they're there to, to push out the value on these guys. And I think that Lagergren's a recipient of that. Yeah, and we're not going to be very annoyed when I tell you that 11.09, he was 66 to one with Hills, um, which is, yeah, that is ridiculous. Especially as, you know, it wasn't exactly hidden form last week. We were always looking for for that hidden form, aren't we? We were always going, oh, yeah, blah, blah, finished, you know, 26, but he hit 64 and nobody saw that eight birdies in the final round. It was, it was you know, it was on telly. It was it was in front of you. So, um, 
yeah, that was a bit madness, and I'm a bit annoyed at missing that, to be honest. Um, however, um, yeah, he speaks well. himself was and, his, and fair enough. Was his withdrawal in a hero? Was that a, a COVID-related withdrawal? I think it was, because he's withdrawn there, and then he missed a couple last week on the number. Um, I'm just trying to think of you know what happened to the form, because he went withdrawal, missed cut, and he's obviously gone into run of 24, third and fifth, and I just think, I think that's what happened. I think he got called off the course for it. Uh, during the second round, and maybe that rattled him going into into the week after and, and missed the cut by one. Um, but it just seems he bounced back and playing as he was for a lot of last year as well. Yeah, I, like you say, I think you know, I don't know what more pe- what more people want in 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 a golfer coming to a golf tournament than than what he's showing. Um, there are question marks over others. There is a question mark about potentially his temperament should it should he be contending when the pressure gets on um just in terms of, of when the cameras get to him sometimes he's a bit wayward but i don't think it's going to matter here as much as it would do on on many other courses so and at the end of the day if you are contending you can jump on better and get out if you really want so yeah 50 at one is wrong i don't think that's that's the price he should be yeah 40 Thought he was about right in it, Tom. Dane, well, I think that's what I'm saying. I think it's built into the price. I think you know, if he was 33 and 40 to one, we'd. I mean, I'd probably still bet him a 40 to one, but 33, I'd be a little bit concerned. Hmm. And that was kind of what the price I expected him to be. I kind of expected him to be priced the same as a as a Biz Whedon, how a Poulter, or Sullivan. I just thought he was because of the form he's shown in the last couple of weeks. I thought oh, it's just going to be too short. And when I saw the 50 to one, and obviously you spoke to me earlier and, and mentioned you liked him, I was like, well, that's. It's a big price, like, and then we'll go on to the the name that we both came up with first was Romain Langasque, the Frenchman. Um, you know, he's he's won since coming out of lockdown, um, first time on the European tour. But this is a guy that was heavily touted was after winning a British Amateur at Carnoustie, didn't he? Uh, back in 2015, uh, you backed him to be the top amateur that year in the Masters, I think. Unfortunately, yeah, um, it came against yeah, <laughs> against, came against, against a certain. Uh, Bryson DeChambeau, yeah. Um, but I've been really impressed with him since um, getting that win in Wales. I think, you know, he missed the cut straight after. That's not particularly a massive surprise. Then finishes 17th on a, a tough golf course in uh, Valderrama uh, after opening with 77 as well. So he actually bounced back really well from that. And he could have, well, you know, it's easy to say, you know, could have done this, could have done that. But that really did prevent him from going to the top 10. Uh, and then goes and plays the US Open and finishes quite a respectable, you know, 34th. Had no real blow-up rounds. He had the 75 of his worst score, but that's no great shame in that US Open, really. Uh, I just think he had a, a steady game. And now he's going to come and play in an event, you know, he finished third here last year. He's only had one missed cut in total uh, since coming out of this lockdown. He's That win that he had in Wales is kind of confirming what everyone believed he would be anyway. And I just think, to me, it just strikes me as a player, again, a bit like Lagergrim, where I thought, well, I thought he was going to be too short and, and unbackable because of that British amateur form wasn't hidden. Um, the third here last year isn't going to be hidden. Um, and, and I'm still pleasantly surprised you can get, you know, 45 to 1, 40 to 1, eight places. Yeah, he was put up He was put up earlier today by a very influential tipster. So the fact that you can still get that 45 is quite surprising. Um, he's always been a fantastic player. I mean, following the Challenge Tour when he was playing, um, certainly expected him to win uh, a lot more than the one that he did. Um, yeah, just finished outside the rankings there, but qualified at Q School, which is a 
you know, a mental, um, uh, you know, a mental hardship in itself. So, yeah, I mean, you know, um, amazingly, we found, we found a Frenchman with, with some balls. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, you know, he, he's got, he's, again, like you say, he's coming, in, he's coming here in form. I think that's what we want. We want somebody coming here with a bit of confidence, um, somebody with a proven record in these events. Um, and Lane Gask, you know, he's going for his second win of the year. We've already had Horsfield win two. We've had Catlin win two. I'm sure we'll talk about it in a second. Um, you know, it was a good win. You know, he, he was impressive uh, when he won the Welsh. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, why not? I mean, for me, 40, 40 and 35 is, is, is too it's short. pushing it, isn't it? That's definitely pushing yeah, yeah. So, I think having missed the 50, I, I, I'll have to think. Um, I'd rather be on, on, you know, on the Swede, but um, yeah, I can't knock his chance. For me, I just felt that again he was just slightly bigger than I expected, uh, especially considering you know that third last year at the Scottish Open was kind of like a standout performance, wasn't it for him? I know he had a third in Denmark as well last year, but he'd had kind of years of of not really kicking on to what we expected, and then all of a sudden he had those two third place finishes, uh, and then goes and wins this season. You think, okay, well maybe he's gonna. Because you know sometimes it takes these guys longer than, than others to to settle, mm, course, doesn't yeah. it? And and he's proving that everyone, not everyone to be right, but everyone to sort of say, okay, well no, you do have the talent we expect you to have, and and now is your chance to prove it. And um, a, a point of thing you said there that you do want these guys that are coming into form. I think that um, with the links you do get the odd player, don't you? That just generally likes links courses, and and no matter what form they're in, they can turn up because they don't get their brains fried by a dodgy bounce or they just know how to play them over others and that sort of sees them fly out the leaderboard. But generally speaking, you want a guy that's in a bit of form and, and why not someone that's won so recently, especially with a closing 65. So I just thought, again, him and him and Lagergren at the same price appealed to me. Uh, and I'll let you go on to another pit you like here at 50 to 1. Um, yeah, I mean, just just mention about it. Sorry about him coming third. Yeah. You know, when you do look at, you, you do find the Scottish Open turns up, uh, or most Opens turn up a mixture, don't they? I mean, our Open probably slightly get uh, slightly more, I say, say classy, but but a leaderboard with more higher ranked players in it. Yeah. Whereas last year, as you look, you know, you see Hebert, uh, Ebert, um, Longas, Bertazio, um, Andre Pavan. You know. Um, they're all mixed with the JTs and the Casillas and the okay, Stenson. We, you know, we know he's gone at the moment, but I'm sure you'll talk about him later. Um, so there is that mix of, of them. So and, and yet we're talking about um, two players, Lagergren and, and Longask, that that really can mix it with the best. They're they're, they're not going to be seen, um, you know, unusual in a field that that might contain a Fitzpatrick or, or a Fleetwood. So yeah, I mean, you know, 45, okay. Blah blah blah. Not sure. Lager Grin probably better at the price. Right, the other fifty to one shot. Where are we? Ah, you talk about beef, are you? Right. Yeah, I love beef this week. I, I cannot read this again. Another um, another one that was playing on the Challenge Tour when I was you know writing about that weekly. Um, the problem with beef is, as we know, is we don't know where he is mentally, but we can't second guess that. I've looked at the tweets. Blah blah blah. He still won't reply for. Um, for an interview with us, Tom. So uh, I can't help there either. Um, I wonder, wonder why he doesn't want to talk to us. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
yeah, yeah, come on. Everyone else you know, does. Yeah, yeah, everybody else does. That's right. Look, they're queuing up outside my door. <laughs> but no, they are. Yeah, absolutely. We, you know, you, we, we don't have a problem attracting them. He'd be a lovely, a lovely um, man to interview because I'd love to, I'd love to find out, you know, life on tour and, and the pressures of it. But there we are. Um, for me, he's playing, he's playing a lot better than his his actual scores indicate. Um, I know that's not bad when you put them on paper. Nineteenth, nineteenth, third at Celtic Man in the thirty seventh, which was you know a bit of a damp squib. But it, his actual plays is not as bad as his scores. Um, he keeps being in and out. Um, he's shown some terrific iron play um, and actually some terrific pain. I thought at Celtic Manor, his pain was was unbelievable. Um, for him, I think it's all about being happy on the golf course and being happy about what he does. So the break would have done him good. I haven't seen anything negative written about him or, or, or in interview, so that's a great thing. Obviously, he was fourth here last year after that 62 in the final round. Um, he won the Hydro when he went absolutely mad um, on the Challenge Tour a good few years ago, um, which actually links into the Irish Open, which he didn't play in, but I'm happy to carry that on. Um, obviously, he's got four in our Open. He's not going to mind any wind. He, he's a terrific wind player, um, and when he's on with his putting, he really is on. And I just felt in the context of, of of what we have in the market that he was actually underestimated at 50s. I, I'd, have been, I'd have been looking at 33 and, and even thinking about backing him at 33. So the caveat, the fact that I can get 17 points um, as compensation for any frailty that he may still be carrying, uh, I'm quite happy to, uh, to go along with it, to be honest with you. I think with... With Andrew, it's just a case of, like you say, we can't second guess his mental state, and and you know it's, it's quite easy when you've got someone that you've backed to get a little bit frustrated with them. And I'd just like to just be really pleased for him if he won, uh, and and not be so frustrated of him if he, if he threw it away on a final round. That's not a reason to not back him, um, but I just thought that you know there's there's just a couple of things that that kind of put me off. But he makes every case and. We're talking about a field of you know players here at this 51 and 61 range that they're all much of a muchness really. They've all kind of had one win or closing on their first win and things like that. So um, yeah, I can completely see it. The other person I wanted to talk about was Benjamin Hebert. Now for a while he was one of the most talked about players, wasn't he, on the tour? He was he's never going to win all this sort of stuff. He keeps finishing second. He's had four seconds now on the European tour. Uh, he's won six times on the Challenge Tour. I think you know you can correct me if I'm wrong on that one. Um, he's got a tied 8th in the 2017 Irish Open, 4th in 2015 Dunhill Links. He was 3rd three starts ago, uh, tied 9th and 18th in the Amman Open, and he finished 2nd here last year. I just think that it's one of those again, and I'm just going to keep coining the same phrase over the last three players that I've picked. I just expect him to be shorter, I expect him to be unbackable, and I was just pleasantly surprised when he was 50-1. to one. And maybe I'm just wrong. Maybe maybe, I'll, maybe I'm just chalking these people up as, you know, expecting them to be shorter when they, I suppose they can't be when there's sort of players in there. But I just think that, um, you know, Coach Zier looked like he was a little bit worn out last week and he's 41. Lucas Herbert, I'm not, you know, particularly sure where he has, a, you know, where he's at with his game. Um, you know, Andy Sullivan, what's he going to do? Poulter's travelling, you know, don't know. I just thought that these guys, they've been back. They've been here during the, the post-lockdown and and they're playing well and, and making cases. And I'd rather be on someone like that than, than trying to guess what other people are doing with their time and their game. Yeah, I, I 
the problem I've got with it, and I, you know, I, I'm like that where I, I see them sort of fail a bit when they're in contention. Um, I, I wasn't impressed with him at the Belfry um, when he had a chance. Um, and I, I know we're always, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a, a contradiction. We're always saying, yeah, look at their 62, 63, 64 in the final round. Um, but when I, when I wasn't impressed with him in contention at the Belfry, I know, I know Rasmus, you know, went mad, but, um, I didn't think he particularly kicked on or, or, um, performed in the final round as well as he had been for the rest of the tournament. And when you see that the second place last year came off a 62 in the final round, it just makes you think, do I want to be on him before or, or do I just want to keep an eye on him and have him on the list of in-running competition? Um, I, I just wouldn't be confident. Um, yeah, look, you've, I wouldn't be confident that he has he has the game to, to kick on if he has a chance on Sunday. And that's really the only thing that puts me off thing, but it does the thing that i see in him is that at 50 to 1 you're still getting a, a reasonable each way power if if that was the worst case scenario i just think that um he's 33 so it's not like he's a langask who's you know got plenty of years ahead of him he's he does want to get his win sooner rather than later because it's hanging over him um and his playoff record is abysmal he's 0-3 and when you've had four chances to win and, and three of them you've lost in a playoff that that's concerning. But when you look at who he's lost to, it's Tyrrell Hatton, Bernd Wiesberger and Corhonen. So they're not bad people to lose mm. to. Um, you know, that, that Turkish Airlines Open one last year, there was, how, how many was it? Five, six in the Five, in, the, six, in yeah. the playoff. Um, it, I just find that sometimes there's different seconds. Like you say, when you have to shoot at 62 to get to that second last year, that's one thing. When when he loses in a playoff to certain players, maybe just being a bit forgiving, I think that he could, this is probably the best case scenario for him. Like he's returning to a course um, that suits him. He's returning to a style of event that suits him. And yes, there's bigger players in the field this week, but it's not the strength of field that it normally is. And it won't be until next year. So now is a good time for him to take advantage of that. I, I, I'm not, yeah, I'm not going to argue. That's just a personal thing. When, when we fancy so many of them around this sort of, mark um you have to make a decision and yeah look you could turn around and say to me yeah we don't know you know if you know if andrew johnson's going to turn up happy or not and if he isn't then you're done straight away so that that's a very valid argument um yeah look i'm not saying you can't back him it's just for me he's He's shown enough to put you off that's the thing isn't it he's a bit waft he's a bit wafty whilst whilst i respect his chance he's a bit wafty and um are there others at that price that I'd rather? And if we say that we like uh, uh, Romain Lone Gask, uh, um, uh, Lagergren, I like beef, and there's a man in the middle there that we, we haven't spoken about yet, you know, how many can you play at 45? I don't know. I don't know. It's just I won't be backing him, but I can see an argument for him to be to be, have a good tournament. It was more for him. It was one that I wanted. He was kind of like a, out of the three that I've just mentioned. He was the third one to be added. Just because of when I obviously he sticks out straight away because he comes second last year, and then you go and look about as to why he came second. You see all this Irish Open form, uh, forming a Oman Open, which I quite like, and things like that. And you think, okay, well, there's some there's something behind it, and then you think, well, okay, well, there's actually I think sometimes his, his run has been slightly underrated, um, 
and, and you start to you think mm. and give him a bit more chance. And that was kind of where I was going with him. But let's go to that name that we just we just mentioned. Very fair. Is a guy that has taken full advantage of his chances recently, isn't he? He's John Catlin. Now, when he won at Valderrama, um, much to your disgruntlement to, to Martin Keimer, um, you know, it looked like it was kind of like Keimer threw it away. Um, he looked a little bit ropey in contention, but he got the job done when it mattered. Uh, and then we spoke, didn't we? And I, and I kind of said, you know, it's a massive price for that Portugal Masters. Uh, he went out to 110 to 1 a Betfair while we were talking on the show on a Monday night. Uh, and I was really surprised, and I thought, you know, what, you know, why? Like, why is he, after just winning, still 110 to 1 for the week after? And we kind of said, well, he's he's not going to win two weeks in a row, and it, it wasn't really the perfect event for him. And he got off to a slow start, and then he finished tied eighth. And you think, you know, Christ, like, okay, he was a big price. That was that was worth talking about. And then the next start, he then goes and wins the Irish Open, which we're obviously talking about as a massive indicator of this. And he fires a 64 yesterday, uh, painstakingly, well, originally painstakingly, beating your pick, Aaron Rye, on the show. But then obviously you put him up in your column as a 54-hole bet anyway. I did. I did. So well done yeah. to you for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, have you? Have you <laughs> I'll finish crazy? now. Yeah, I can breathe um, again. Yeah, okay. I mean, look, Cat. Cat. I, I, you know, Catlin was withdrawn, wasn't he? Um, um, COVID, wasn't he? Um, can't remember exactly when it was. Um, let's let's be honest. When he was, the majority of people said, "Does it really matter?" <laughs> um, no, I don't mean it like that. Do you know what I mean? It, it was he was you know in terms of what we were looking at back then. It was like you know, and um, but he's been quite frankly, he's been excellent, hasn't he? Um, I'm amazed when I look at his his putting ranking um, that it's not all round, you know, a lot better. Because um, for me, he apart from Saturday, when the going gets tough, he's he's absolutely awesome. Um, yeah, you know, Valderrama, the greatest course that Europe's got, was an absolute draining um, event. It was certainly for him and Kaima who were Although they never, it wasn't never a match play. It, it was only those two that could win uh, for the majority of that final round. And yeah, he, you know, for me, he just held on. Uh, we know that anyway. Um, but to come out again uh, just a week later after that and get top ten at Portugal, I know it wasn't, you know, the greatest field in the world. Um, but to do that was was exceptional. He takes a week off, comes back to the Irish, and he was excellent. I mean, I wanted to be with him after the first day, but he was too short. So I thought that the uh, market had caught up with him. Um, I think he was something like 13 to two in running when he finished three under. Um, then, then he was he was still single figures uh, after Saturday, and then three six five to to their credit. I know you know people have their issues, but to their credit, went first five um, each way at halfway for both tournaments, which either was terrific because you very very rarely get that. And for me, having demonstrated that he can play really tough courses really well. Wind doesn't seem to bother him. Um, long putts normally don't bother him, except for that Saturday. Um, I, I just thought he was absolutely rock solid. And, and yet, yeah, fortunately, you know, he was the one that shot low on, on the Sunday to win it. But it was a great performance. Um, he showed, you know, he, he went behind early. Um, and he, he does look unflappable when he plays. Um, and that's fantastic, because obviously Valderrama has, has given him the confidence to go and do that. He doesn't have to prove himself now for two years. Um, yeah, uh, he's he's in cracking form. I mean, I don't know how he's gonna how he's gonna play um, over here. I mean, obviously, the vast majority of his wins 
have been over in Asia. He did win three in a in a year over there. Um, I'm sure there are, you know, I haven't looked at it closely, but I'm sure there's probably five of them that win three tournaments a year over there. I haven't got a clue. Um, but it's still impressive. And that was only a couple of years ago, 2018. So, you know, he's there and he's got no fear of winning, no fear about being in front. And we can't say that about um, that many of those, really, um, in this field. We, we can always pull up where they've gone a bit wafty, where they've gone a bit dodgy, where they've pulled it when they're in front. Catlin doesn't seem to have that. And, and look at the figures. I mean, they're, you know, they're in front of you there, Tom, as well, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, they're just, you know, you take the best of his figures and they're up there with anybody. It's just a, a concern about how he's going to react on links. But he's so accurate with his irons. Um, they're big greens and he's a good putter. So, you know, if he can cope with, with you know, can you get more undulation than you can, at, 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 you know? That, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I'm trying to find a negative for you, mate, but I can't. It's difficult. Except for the fact that I, you know, except for the fact I don't visualise John Catlin going one eight one one. Um, but as we agreed earlier, should he be two and a half times the price of Martin Keimer? Perhaps not. Well, the, the thing is, is, is the reason we we kind of steered away from his Portugal is because we couldn't get see him going one one, could we? And then he's gone one eight one. And then when you really read into it. Um, you know, like you say, he had three wins in the Asian Tour in 2018, another one in 2019, now two wins in 2020. Is he just is he just a very good player all of a sudden, develops yeah. his game, well, not all of a sudden, but he's he's learnt how to win and take advantage, as you say, of that skill set that he has got. I find his swing sometimes, it looks like it shouldn't be great, um, but it is. It works brilliantly. And, um, yeah, I just think when you, when you even just deep further into his his sort of results this year. We had the the eighth at the Austrian Open, which is the first event out of lockdown. Forty third the week after, fifty first week after. You think, okay, well, slightly off the ball again. Sixth at the Kelsey Classic, missed a cut in Wales. Twenty fifth at the Hander, and then goes one eight one. You think, Christ, like he's the most informed player. On you know, we were talking about Hogards, we were talking about you know people like that that were playing brilliant golf. Kaima was playing well, you know, and then this guy's won twice in that span. And what I thought was was ridiculous is that he's still only I think it's 14th he's gone up to in the in the race of the buy rankings and I don't really get don't really care about those sort of things generally week to week but I was I was looking at it and I was thinking he's he's still only 14th there's still you know Sammy Valamaki's ahead of him um Van Royen Horsfield um Lucas Herbert's in seventh place I just thought you know it's surprising that and I think that kind of attests to the level of field that he's playing at the moment he's not getting those ranking points and um you know world ranking points he's only up to 80 off 80 odd in the world whereas someone like Zalas Horace we've been talking about is 76 with only winning once on the web.com so yeah I think I think mm. there may be people I think he's still underrated in the market I think 50 to 1 is actually it's not offensive I don't think he cares but I just think that it, it's overlooking him um, which yeah. is which is strange. I think there's a lot in this field, as we've just pointed out, that every pit we've made so far has been in the 50 to one range, that, that have kind of been over. I mean, Aaron Rye was second last week in 50 to one. You know, all these guys, are, and that's what we're saying about if we if we don't think that Tommy Fleetwood and Fitzpatrick are certainties to take up two of the top eight places or top five or top six or whatever, there's certainly value elsewhere, isn't there? Yeah, I, I mean, you worry whether the whether he, you know. They're long enough. Um, I know they're great iron players, but, you know, 
you know, they might be taking a lot longer clubs to um, go into. I mean, I don't know what the green's going to be like this weekend. You know, we we don't know if they're, you know, if they're softer. I mean, he is a, he is an awesome iron player. Yeah. Um, he's he's going to give himself. I mean, I you know I said on Sunday he'd do it, and he did. He gave himself loads of chances, um, and he took he took a lot of them. Um, <laughs> I, do you know what? It's one of them. Uh, you, you, you shouldn't really do it, but I can't see it. But it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest if he did, because he just he looks unflappable. If he did, and you know, hypothetically, you know, say he gets it done again on Sunday, uh, that's frightening for the rest of the tour because he's he's likely to do it. You know, we're saying that that we're not expecting Fleetwood or Fitzpatrick to run away with it, but you'd expect them to be. Someone that's mentioned on Sunday, you got Peters, Kymers, Ho- you know, Wiesberger, Hogarth, someone around there, Westwood. Someone's going to be challenging him for it. You'd have thought um, if he can start doing it in that company as well, then everyone's going to be put on red alert. I think because you know every week we seem to be finding something that was Hogarth before was was the darling of the tour. Then you've got the Van Royens, you've got the you know whoever Thomas Dietrich, Sam Horsfield, etc., etc. And it's just this little guy from America, John Catlin. He's been playing over in Asia, a bit outcast. Um, comes over here and makes it three wins in one season. You start to think, you know, he's. Uh, you have to start calling him a world beater at that point in current form. Yeah, I mean, you know more about the American um, sort of um, college status of, of sport. So, um, you know, I don't know what it means, but, but he's, you know, he won an awful lot as an amateur. I don't know what level it's at. Um, I mean, I never read anything about him, to be honest with you. I'll be completely honest um, with you. I generally hadn't. I'd heard of him because he played in a few European tour events when he was winning in Asia. And I'd sort of seen his name. And it was one of those where you go, oh, he's got a lot of good form. And then you realise it's on the Asia tour as opposed to the European tour. And you, you don't write it off because you shouldn't write anything off. But he certainly wasn't this, you know, big name collegiate player. I mean, he'd played, he'd had... He played for the University of New Mexico, and and he was a you know, yeah. all American, and, and he was honourable mention and all American things like that. So he's he was good, but he's bounced around. He's been on the PGA Tour Canada. He's been the Asian Development Tour, Asian Tour, and don't get me wrong, you know that Asian Tour is not to be knocked. It's a, a decent level of you know events that they get over there, but it's certainly a different kettle of fish when they play here. I mean, he played in, a, I think it was WGC two or three years ago in, in China because of his Asian tour wins. Um, and he finished 54th and you thought, okay, well that's kind of, he is that guy. He's, he's borderline European tour player and, and that's it. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, hello, here I am. And you start to think, well, where was, where was this guy? He's 29. So he's not young. Um, no. It's just taking him a little while to develop. And I think confidence is the biggest hidden attribute of, of anything you can't you can't quantify confidence you don't even if someone like you know it might be he's won twice in three weeks or three starts and and he might actually be petrified this week we don't know we've got <laughs> we got no idea because we're not in their heads um if you could send him a text say how do you feel this week and he says yeah great you'd back him at 50s one wouldn't you but um you know he might be is is he still riddled with self-doubt i doubt it because he's he's playing out of his skin but is he like oh it's a stronger field of I've maybe done my winning, or is he like, well, no, here we go again. Let's, uh, let's win it in a higher class. It'd be interesting to see. I'll be really, I'll be really keen to see how he kicks on on Sunday if he's in the yeah, top ten. Yeah, he does well. Yeah, yeah, I hope he does well and doesn't and doesn't flop. I can't see it winning. I can't see him winning. But yeah, I mean, no, 
yeah, you can't, you can't, you know, you really cannot knock what he's doing. And, and if it is a tough, if it is a tough tournament, and his name is up there, he doesn't go backwards that fella. No. And, that, and that's the thing. If you he see him after 54, 36, 54, and he's up there, don't be surprised if he kicks on. Is what we're saying here, isn't it? Mm. Um, Jos Lauten, we've been picking on, haven't we, for basically since the restart. He was heavy favourite in those couple of Austria events. Um, played poorly. Uh, kept being 12, 14, 16 to 1, 20 odd to 1 favourites. And you think, okay, well, what's going on here? Showed something last week, finishes tied 11th, comes into a, an event where you'd think he'd play pretty well, and he's suddenly 66 and 50 to 1. Um, I still don't think his game's where it needs to be to win this type of event, but I like the Oman Open as, a, as an indicator because I think that we haven't had the links tests that we normally have this year and he's finished first 10th and 12th in that event um tied 11th last week tied 4th in this event 2015 top 10s in the irish open 2009 and 2011 dunhill links and he suddenly started to to question whether he's a reasonable price i think there's still players around this you've got lots of brandon stone you've got the likes of uh, the, you know the people that we've mentioned at 50s and then another guy that i'm just about to talk about but he's worth you know pointing out that he's actually at least shown something last week and, and got a relatively big price sum that up fine yeah yeah if that's if that yeah absolutely if that's some something of return to form um we know he doesn't mind links um the thing is with him he's, he's a winner isn't still, he? A... he is a winner he he's is a winner at this level even even with the better uh players available in this field he does he does win in this company, um, you know, and yeah, if that's a sign, if that's a sign, then then again, he's another. I mean, it's it's getting to be one of them tournaments, isn't it? Now where we're it's hard, it's, it's you hard know, to you're trying to pull 10, 12, 14 yeah, yeah. players up, and that's the thing. But I just thought last week he, he had no bad rounds. He didn't have any bad rounds. He's seventy-one, seventy. Then he went sixty-nine, sixty-seven. Got better every every round. He was improving. If that, if that is a sign of things to come then he's going to very quickly go back down to those prices he was going off at earlier on. That's that, that's the only yeah. thing I would say on yeah, him, is that he's a that's big a fair price. Um, I yeah. don't particularly yeah. fancy him, but you know, watch to see what he does. Another person I do like is Ryan Fox. Um, he was another one that I don't think you necessarily picked on, but I did a little bit. I was kind of saying, well, you know, he's 20-1 to 1 this week and 18-1 to 1 this week, and he wasn't really doing anything. He was playing steady golf. Um, coming out of the lockdown, but wasn't really showing the form that it was when... I mean, he's only won once, isn't he, on the European Tour? Mm-hmm. Um, and I was sitting there thinking, you know, he's, yeah. <laughs> and, he's, and, he's a, and he's a short price. And then it comes to this week, and I think, okay, let's have a look at what price Ryan Fox is, because he likes Lynx Golf, and he's 66, 70, and 80 to 1. You know, oh, that's a massive price, considering his Lynx ped- pedigree. Um, you know, just to go, run through those results that he's had... Um, since the lockdown, 8th, 15th, 19th, the first three starts, 57th for Celtic Classic, then went 15th, 28th, 32nd, uh, and missed his last two cuts. But one of those cuts was the US Open, which I can kind of forgive. You've got to come out of what you're doing to go over there. It was a, a tough course. It made a lot of people look silly. Um, he did play poorly last week at the Irish Open, which he's played at a course and won on, I believe, um, back in the day on a challenge tour. But um, I just I just think that maybe this price is an overreaction to that because he was second at 2018 Irish Open, fourth at the, the year before the Irish Open, fourth at the 2017 Scottish Open, sixth at the 2018 Scottish Open, um, eighth at the British Masters. It's He loves Lynx golf. He absolutely loves it. 
hits it a country mile. 22nd in greens regulation this season. It's all kind of to do with the with the putter, isn't it? It's, it's what he does. It's always been the same. And it always will be the same. He's just that type of player. He's not going to suddenly improve in that department. I'm under no illusions as to, to what player he is. I think he's always been someone, because he hits it a long way and he gets a lot of TV coverage, he's, he's kind of always been a bit overrated. He's a name that sticks out. But if he's going to get a win at this level, I would I would suspect it will be on a Lynx track. And I just think he's overpriced to do so this week. That would that that's literally yeah. the, the summary on it. I don't I don't think he's suddenly shown. Well, he hasn't. He's he's missed his last two cuts. I don't think there's any bigger indicator than if you liked him any of the previous weeks as to why he's going to do it this week. Other than the fact that Link's golf suits him, you know, his best ever finish on the European Tour, obviously apart from his win, was the second at the Irish Open behind Russell Knox, so he lost in the playoff. And he, that was in, you know, he had John Rahm in that field, Danny Willett, Ollison, um, just to name a few that were in the top 10 that week. He's not playing that top. I mean, no, 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 absolutely. I mean, you, you've summed him up perfectly, to be honest with you. Uh, only issue is he was glad to have a week off um, before the Portugal Masters. Played OK there. Third round, hit a 75. That's good, probably because he had a chance <laughs> halfway. Um you know, he did say it was going to be a long, a long slap over here when he first came over to stay in the bubbles and everything like that. Um, again, we can't second guess what their mental state is. Um, I just maybe wonder whether he's had enough and he's yeah, well, that that is the potential. He's, isn't he's it? staying because because it's the Scottish Open. Yeah, one last um, roll of the dice, maybe. I just yeah, exactly. But yeah, he smacks the ball country mile. He'll he'll give himself putts, but. It'll all, it'll all depend on what he does opening I like round, him. I think, because I think that if he can just get off to a nice start, he'll just think, okay, well, it's worth me sticking around. Let's give it my all this week and and go for it. If he starts off slowly, then or you know middling, then I'll, I wouldn't really be too fussed about him. But yeah. it just it just to me strikes me as a big price again. Like I keep saying about these other guys, when the field is stronger, but not as strong as it has been when he's played in that company before. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I I could see him as a sort of I don't particularly like first round leader bets, but he does have some very low first round. That if he gets an early tea time, I don't know if they're out. I haven't looked. Wouldn't have thought they're out yet. If he gets an early tea time and he's able to go and smack the ball without without any pressure on him whatsoever, um, that's probably the way I play him um, more than outright. But again, you've got your eight places. I mean, these these each way terms are, are you know. It's good for this. They're very advantageous, yeah. aren't they? Absolutely. Um, so, yeah. You know, I think, no, I think no that's what's catching my eye. I, I, think. I think that's what it is. Is When you look at all these people that we're quoting, they're all above 50 to 1, 8 places, and you think, well, can they win? And you go, well, actually, they don't need to. Like, 8 places at 66 to 1. But they do win, yeah. don't they? Yeah. It's just, it is, you, you gotta, got to see what you want to do, don't you? There's so many players, as we keep trying to, I'm mentioning names here, because I think that they're overpriced for what they are. I think I don't think they've been missed. I don't think they're massively overpriced. I just think that they are bigger than I expected. Um, and yeah, I just just sort of interested to see how he goes. But um, I've got a couple more at three figures. But is there any more you want to mention? Um, yeah, I mentioned Nick Colsarts. Um, you know, Colsarts always been on my radar for um, a Lynx tournament. I, can't, I think we discussed it before whereby we basically saved up all, all summer to back him for the Open, and then he went and done himself in on a uh, I don't know, 
jet ski or something Sounds ridiculous like it, or whatever he did, a frog or something, slipped on a frog, or whatever he did anyway. Um, yeah, third in 2016 in the Scottish Open. Um, but yeah, I mean, he, he, he's a natural for, he's, do you know what, he's not that different to Ryan Fox really, no, is he? same skill um, set. Same, same skill set. Um, probably, he did used to have a better, a better sort of a putting stat. Um, yeah, I, I'd be very worried about him. I, I can't tell you what he's going to do. It's just whenever there's a Lynx tournament, I will always look at Nick Colsart. So I'm not going to put up any defence. I'm not going to say he's flying here in form. I'm just going to say I expect him to do slightly better than 200 or, or whatever he is quoted at the moment, maybe bigger. Um, so we're going to make him the sort of Betfair trade this week, which, um, yeah, I mean, most people hopefully are listening. <laughs> um, we'll, know by, we'll know by now that it's try and double your money at a quarter of the price. So Betfair, if he's 200 on the book, we're going to get 250, I would think, at least on Betfair. Um, let's say it's 250. So for every point you have at 250, you try and get two points at uh, round about 60, 66 to 1, and leave yourself a free bet. Um, I don't think it's impossible that he could he could get somewhere in that region, 60, 66. So he would be the first one just because he is a Lynx player, and I'm hoping that return to Lynx gives him some sort of um, boost. Yep, no, I like that. And the, the other two I just want to quickly mention, these are ones that I'd find it... Uh, I would be surprised if they won, but I think they could go better than their price. One is Matthew Southgate, loves Lynx Golf. Um, he's always good finishes coming there. Uh, Lynx Golf, don't know, second in Daniel Lynx last year, second in the Irish Open, sixth and twelfth in the, in the Open Championships. And, and Burkdale's one of the closer uh, comparative courses, I think, to this one this week, and that's where he was sixth. Uh, fourth again in the Irish Open, ninth in Amman in, in 2018. If he's going to win a European Tour event, you'd like it. Uh, you'd like the chances of it being a Lynx course. Um, and, and that's what it is there, 125 to 18 places. Um, that that would be looking at the each way part, I think, because I certainly wouldn't trust him to win. Uh, and another one I don't think, you know, he's a bit of a journeyman, is Lorenzo Gagli. He plays Lynx very well. Um, top, top 25 finishes in this event. Uh, tied third in 2011 and tied 14th here last year Irish Open he's been 11th he's had a tied 21st at Daniel Lynx 2011 a long time ago now but he was 10th in Amman earlier this year that kind of sort of piqued my interest a little bit and since that he's gone 12th, 25th, 9th, 34th, 14th and 10th with a couple of miscuts in between that was quite a strong uh, bank of form in, in, the, in these circumstances um, for a type of player that he is I just think he looks... No, very solid for someone that generally struggles to piece it together week to week, uh, back to back weeks if you like. Um, he just seems to be in steady form, and I, th- I think it's more of a, a top ten chance, top twelve, whatever. But when they're tied, you know, tied eight charges, and he's over 120 to one, it's an interesting name to to point out. I thought I don't think I'm particularly confident in him. I think I just thought it was worth pointing out the positives in him. Yeah. Yeah, do you know what? There's, there's. I think you can find them in, in quite a few here. Um, not saying he's going to win, but Maverick Ancliffe, ninth and third last two weeks. I mean, I don't think he can do anything here. I've no idea how he's going to react. Playing remarkably well now that he's cut that ridiculous hair off. Tommy, I don't know if you're listening, but that may help you as well, mate. Um, uh, Jorge Campillo playing really, really well at the moment. Um, won't mind any wind. There's um, another one back at 55, 60 or one. Won't mind any wind. Does win. Isn't afraid of winning. Um, 
can putt like a demon. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, there, there's another couple from the field. But, yeah, like you say, I think we've made, I mean, it's unusual for us, but, you know, I think we've given positives to probably 20 players and that's really quite unusual. What we are saying is there's plenty there's a lot value, to do away from the obvious. Yeah, I, think, yeah. I think that just having those two top at the two, isn't it, is is enough to, to suddenly open up a can of worms. And, and earlier I was kind of like, well, I need a couple of extra minutes just to really nail down at this and clearly I haven't done a very good job of that but um, <laughs> you know you know, just a, a little bit of an extension on Campillo there is he actually loves uh, this type of test as well I mean, he won in Qatar mm. didn't he and that's you get some wind there uh, third at the Irish Open seventh at the Irish Open as well um, tied second in the Marne last year there's, there's some signs yeah. there isn't there that, and like you say he has won he's won twice he won in Morocco as well like that's uh it's just another name added to the list, isn't it? Yeah, he can play. He can play. He can play um, undulations. You know, he's got no problem with that, and he's not got a problem with the wind. So, and he's a. You know, we've given positives to quite a few, but they're not winners. When I, you know, what I mean yeah. by that, I mean they win, but they're not winners. And Campier, to be fair to him, I know he let us down earlier on in the year. Um, he is a winner. I'm trying to find his price at the moment. 55 roughly isn't it is that price oh yeah, yeah. so yeah i mean he's he's uh backable, he's a winner isn't he? you know he's, he's backable at that price um sammy yeah i mean it's it goes on and on and on and on doesn't it so you'd expect i think the thing with with sammy valamaki is again if there is anything in that oman link is obviously where he beat brandon stone earlier this year um who's obviously also played well he's won a scottish open isn't he brandon stone so there's there mm. is clear links there and he was sixth second and tenth before he missed the cut the us open where you'd expect him to miss the cut i'm not being funny um so you know we don't have uh, a bank of form in in these types of events for valamaki do we because he's new to the to the tour but if the aman opens anything to go by then then 80s one seems a, a fair price considering his current record so again, it's just if you want to add another one to the list, we'll just have we'll just have half the field, and eventually we'll be right. Yeah, exactly. That's, it's, that's what it is, isn't it? And, you know, I think that if any of the if Valamaki sort of drifted off to to three figures on Betfair or something like that, he'd certainly be someone that would pique my interest. Um, but it's it's just a long list. It's a really good event. It's, it's a, it should make for good viewing. Um, hopefully, it's a little bit tougher than last year. I think. It, well, I'm sure it certainly will be. Um, and, and let's just see how it is. There's going to be some uh, some interesting interesting odds going in, and uh, wouldn't be surprised if the winner, as we've pointed out, is going to be bigger than fifty to one. No, and and I would imagine that the fifty four hole column, um, which will be live on your screens late on Saturday night, will be of interest as well. Yeah, I'll keep an eye on that after it was a, a winning selection last week. <laughs> let's go on to the the Sanderson Farms, which I found a little bit more difficult to get excited about. Um, in terms of the players that are in it, um, the top of the field is, is certainly exciting. Scotty Scheffler returns after a break with uh, COVID. Uh, mm-hmm. Louis stays and I don't know if he's is he pulled out. Looks like he's pulled Looks out. Looks like he's pulled out. Um, in the market, yeah. I don't think that really matters in a regular field event. Anyway, cause it's not major. So, but you've got Sung Jm who's, who's sort of returning to form. Zalatoris, we've been talking plenty about. Sam Burns, Sebastian Munoz who won last year, didn't he? Um, so he's, you know, there's, there's certainly some, some names up there. And, uh, yeah, I don't, you know, it's 
it's a difficult event. It's one of those ones that happens in this sort of wraparound part of the season where, as you mentioned off air, it, it, you certainly want to look at the people that are in form at the Safeway and at Mike over and places like that because generally the people will tend to have a good full... It's almost like a mini season in itself, isn't it, these few, few events? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't, what was I, I don't know. Yes, like you say, I mean, you look back at the, the previous sort of winning fields over the last four years, the same tournaments turn up. The Safeway definitely turns up. It turns up in, in, in you know, Gribble's form. Uh, Chapman Connors, obviously, they were first and second here. Um, and obviously he won as well uh, over the Safeway. Um it, when you go down to people that you sort of don't expect, um, it's probably more interesting. So someone like Stefani appears, um, you know, at the um, uh, Wyndham, I think, um, in the Wyndham form and the form around here. So there's clear links there. I mean, the Wyndham is obvious, as we've discussed before. There's a Donald Ross connection, um, the smaller greens, etc. cetera. Um, you know, Maya Cobra, again, is, is an obvious connection because he's this is normally second second tier stuff isn't it really um interesting canada does but i, I actually can't find much um from canada through to through to this year so so that's a bit bizarre how that turned up uh, but they were the links i made and if you look through through the data um t to green is is just such a huge strokes gain t to green is a massive uh, point so i really wouldn't be looking at anybody outside the top 50 on t to green or putting um, and as you rightly say, it's form coming into the tournament rather than uh, somebody being um, inspired by coming to the course after a bad run. So I think that pretty much, I think that narrows it down to to less than we had at Scotland, to be I'd honest. I'd so, hope so, wouldn't it? <laughs> uh, you know, so so in form rather than looking, you know, looking elsewhere and, and those links. And, and I ended up with uh, four, I ended up with, I think, a list of seven, which I've narrowed down to four. Um you know, I don't know if you want to start going through. I mean, Scotty, obviously, um, he's, he's an absolute class player now, isn't he? He's, he's quite, you know, as we thought he could do, has now gone up the world rankings. And he's, he's you know, he, he just needs that couple of wins, doesn't he, to really to set it off? Credit, you, you know, um, we did a Masters preview, didn't we? I think it was maybe our first podcast we did on here, wasn't it, together? Um, mm. And you were speaking of Scotty Scheffler then. And... Uh, um, you know, you didn't spot him. He was he was well known at that point, but I think that it, I don't think many people were expecting a run for him to go on. And and you were sort of saying, you know, he'd had a good start to the season. He was showing good stuff, and there was there was another level that he can get to. And I think he's there without winning, which is which is crazy to think, isn't it? And, it, and he does need to get that victory now. You know, we say how important victories are, and you know, can you discount them if they're in smaller events, and do they really matter? But you know, he just needs to get the monkey off his back, doesn't he? He just needs to get that win. Um, he's still young. It's not going not gonna, to. There's no rush, but it would just be the sooner he gets the win, the sooner he can kick on and start. I mean, he's he's contending a major championship already, so he's not he's not far away. But it will it will help, even if it's just a win at this level. I mean, there's a couple of guys that are sort of hunting him down in this sort of field. There's there's two or three major champions that I think are worth mentioning this week that can win. Um, and I just think, yeah, if he can, if he can hold one of those off on a Sunday, that'll give him a huge confidence boost going into these bigger events. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the, it's the same story, isn't it? It's ignore emotion. His stats have been fantastic for eighteen months, two years maybe now. Um, so it was just a matter of him actually getting it done. And they, they, you know, they, these these you know, I was told this 
hundred years ago by by a very well known punter. He said, just don't ignore the stats. You know, yeah, you can have your emotion, but they're there, and and if somebody's playing like that, eventually, it, you know, they will come through. And and he's performed absolutely fantastically. And quite honestly, I mean, if you want to compare who's a better ten to one shot, him or Tommy over in Scotland, in terms of value, the field they're facing, uh, suitability, um, Sheffield's miles better bet than ten to one. To be honest, to me, you know, as far as I'm concerned. Um, so yeah, can't knock him. We'll see what he does. Um, he's got to win at that price, hasn't he? That's that's the problem. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, he's got form around here, and his his stats are fantastic, and in higher grade. So what do you want in a jolly? Would you take in if you just took? You know, it's easy to do, but take Price out of the equation. Is he just the most obvious winner for you this week? Yeah, I think you could if if you were taking price out. I think there's for me there's probably only two or three maybe that I I would put up as quite strong. He'd be definitely obviously be one of them. Um, yeah, um, there's another player very similar to him that 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 you know hasn't won um, in obviously Doc Redman, um, but Scotty's done it in in top 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 class form and yeah if you said to me who's going to win that tournament or who's who's definitely going to be in the top five it's it's the same as last week you know with with Mackenzie Hughes you know I couldn't see him being at the top five and I, you'd find it really you'd have him as a last if he's all right pick, wouldn't you if you if he's on your line oh god yeah. um yeah. Doc Redmond's an interesting one isn't he because he's like you say he's a player that's been He's been talked about a lot, hasn't he, in 2020. Um, he's statistically been in great form. But he hasn't quite got it done yet. And again, neither is, is Scheffler. It's important to, to mention. But but he's gone closer in bigger events, whereas Redmond's gone closer. And he's taken advantage of the smaller field, should we say. Um, but he did have that third-place finish at the Wyndham and a third-place finish at the Safeway. So he fits that form... Um, angle doesn't he that you know it's stupid saying it's an angle because form is form but um he was 40 to 1 earlier in the days now sort of 33 to 130 yeah. best price he's well backed for obvious reasons and i think i can just leave him alone if he wins at 30 to 1 i'm, I'm not so fast really well you've got you've, you haven't got to beat louis so <laughs> if you if you're taking thir- well no what i'm saying is if you're taking 30 to 1 first eight places louis oosthausen isn't going to be there so you know, it's 41 with Louis taking a place, probably, or, or 31 without. Um, you know, he can't putt. He hasn't, well, I say he can't putt. He hasn't been able to putt forever. I mean, again, he's had fantastic tee to green stats, hasn't he? Um, he's just not been able to putt. But at some point, it will happen. Um, what's interesting is whether we do take recent form rather than um, rather than old form. I'm, I'm more tempted to do so because, you know, the statistics say you can turn up here with not much on course form um, and you, you can still perform very, very well. Um, he's obviously very, you know, he's, he's very high up in Tita Green, which is very, very important here. Um, I think he's 10th overall uh, strokes gain total. Uh, but what's interesting is, is his all-round scores on the individual um, holes. So par 3 at the moment, he's top 20. Par 4, he's 5th. Par 5, he's 10th. Last year, par 3, he was 90th. Par 5, he was 123rd. So if this is a case of taking someone in form, and that's 62, wasn't it? At, um, Safeway. Oh, yeah. God, remind me, I'm on the wrong page. Thank you. Yeah, 62 at Safeway. And if we consider Safeway form to be important, and I do, 
um, looking at the past four years, it, it's, it'll be, it's, 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 well, I'd rather be on the Sam Burns, put it like that. Yeah, um, yeah he, he, I think actually 31 top eight in this field, you know, sorry to, to jump in other players, but when you look at what Adam Long did over the weekend, where he just collapsed completely, um, Benny Ann, who can't putt, we, we know that for a start. Um, you're starting to look like, um, you know, it's starting to look not a bad price because the potential is there. He's only going to need a few putts because he's guaranteed to go smack, smack, smack every single, every single green. You know, he's done it at the Wyndham. Um, oh, sorry, no. Um, yeah, he's done it the Safeway. Also, um, and he'll finish third at the Wyndham as well. Didn't he? He, yeah. he has done it at the Wyndham. He was third, wasn't he? I yeah, thought no, I no, no, on the wrong lights well, on. My apologies. <laughs> um, so yeah, what, what's not to like on? Scotty Scheffler and Doc Redman make a fantastic team to go to battle with in this tournament. Yeah, I mean, there's there's arguments to be made that you could just take one one of those, both from the uh, reasonable prices there, and just and go into war with them. But I just, I think there's a couple of players. It's interesting you mention those days and you take out as one of the the people there. I I just don't see him ever turn up for regular events. I don't, well, he's obviously not turning up for this one. But um, if it's not a WGC or a major or a playoff event, I don't think he's ever that concerned. So. I, I don't even when he comes into an event like this at fourteen to one, I just I just go, oh, that's handy. He's just going to put everyone else's prices out, and it suits me. It's interesting you mention Adam Long as well because I actually thought that, you know, okay, he went, he was bad yesterday or at the weekend, but, um, you know, he he has won. That's that's the thing you've got to you know, Phil Mickelson, in the Desert Classic. So, if you're talking about these three out of the three, he's the one that's won. So it's it's an interesting concept isn't it we've seen him chuck one away but we've seen him win one as well i thought he was it wasn't that it was just a moment during the i mean i'm not there was a moment during the final round where his caddy and him that they they just didn't seem to know what to do i mean maybe i interpreted it wrong but i mean we had the mics on and um they he was literally shrugging as if i don't really know and i just think oh you know i'm not I'm not saying he can't win. I'm just, I'm just saying in the context. I think Redmond's got something that we haven't seen, but he's still performing well. That's that's what I think. Um, I think Adam Long is what Adam yeah, Long I think, is. I think we know um, where we're at with Adam Long at the moment, and maybe Redmond's got more to yeah, offer. I think, I think is what you're trying to get at. That, that's, um, yeah. But all I would say about Adam Long is he's got a win. Um, he had a second at the 3M Open. Just come off a 13th finish at the US Open in the fifth place. You know, on the basis of that form, yes, okay, he went backwards at the wrong time yesterday, but on the basis of that, he's actually probably quite a big price in this field as well. And it, on it, not to say that Redmond's short, but that maybe Long's big as well. Mm. That's that's maybe yeah. what I would say there. I don't particularly, he's not my pick for this week, but I just thought that it was, you know, an interesting way to look at it as well. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with one here uh, at a price. I I went back and forth on it because. He was a player that looked like he'd almost gone at the game and maybe his best years were behind him and, and he's certainly getting on in age. Uh, but Zach Johnson's certainly turned it around in recent weeks. Um, the only concern I have with him is that a lot of it relies on his putter. Um, he's right up there in strokes game total. He's you know 10 strokes, whatever it is, but nine of it's with his putter. Um, I know that's been kind of like the hallmark of his game, hasn't it, for basically his whole career. Um but the reason I liked him is 14th here last year. Um, he was 7th at the Wyndham, which obviously we're talking about as a correlating course where he had a 61. Um, 
and he and he was eight for the US Open as well, which is obviously a much tougher event than this. So um, it's it's one of those where you go, well, is he, is he too short? And you think, well, the quality of field that he's playing in, he's had a second at the Tour Championship as well, which is another Donald Ross design. He generally overperforms at courses that people don't expect him to go well at. Um, this is one that should suit him, uh, and he's in form. So why ignore it? There's not a there's not a more decorated player in this field, is there? Full respect yeah. to him. I think he's, some, he's I mean, got well, the most. I out think, of his I think game the only, the only... world golf, I'd say. Oh, absolutely. I think the only thing you'd say, and, that, and it obviously contradicts my 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 punt at ninety to one, is that you look at it and it tends it tends to be won by a sort of an up and comer, up yeah, and yeah. coming player, doesn't it? You know, Cody Gribble, um, Sebastian Munoz, and uh, Cameron Champ, uh, or Ryan Armour, but you know. Um, those behind him were, were, were certainly up and coming at the time, um, which which again does suggest uh, Scotty Scheffler and, and Doc Redmond rather than a Zach Johnson or or Brian Stewart. Um, <laughs> it's like quietly, but you know, but but things you know, there's, there's always something that happens that that you know stands out, isn't it? An outlier is is to use your favourite phrase, um, and that, that may well be Zach, and and why not? Uh, you know, he's 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 playing really, really well, to be fair. Um, and, you know, he doesn't have to prove anything, does he? So well, why not? That's the thing is that like, where I said the concern was that he's, he's relying a lot on his putting, but he's always done that. It's not like it's a new thing. So it's not it's not like hmm. um, he's suddenly just got really good at one department and, and it's not going to last. That will last because it's lasted his whole career. Um, and if he can just pick up the rest of it as he goes along, which is what he's doing enough of to get up in contention, um, there might just be one... I would say one last hurrah, but he's he's certainly getting on a bit, isn't he? Um, and like you say, Ryan Armour had that win here. It, it was different because it was it was kind of like a an overdue win, whereas that Johnson would be adding to a, a decorated list of of twelve victories. Um, but forty four years of age, he's got to realise that his uh, his wins are numbered at this level, uh, and maybe that's enough uh, motivation to kick on. I think as well. I think the schedule because. Um, you know he's going to be going back to Augusta, isn't he? And he wants to get some, you know, get some form in ahead of that because again that'll be really be his last chance to ever do well in that. I don't think he will do well in that, but that's uh, another thing. I just maybe there's just a motivation factor that I think's there for him that isn't in the sense that maybe I just think he wants to get another win and and sort of justify the end of his career. I don't I, I don't know, but he's he's had the seventh place finish at the Wyndham, which is a course that we compare it to as Donald Rosterdine, and that was enough for me to. To stand out at thirty-five to one, I thought. Any others at this sort of price range? Not. not um, no, I did look at Dylan Fratelli as we discussed earlier. Um, I, I went off him. Um, uh, Siwoo Kim, um, who obviously has uh, form at the Wyndham, um, but we just don't know what he's going to do, do we? Um, having said that, he do, he turns up at courses that um, he wants to turn up at, if you like. Um, uh, so if there is if there is anything there, um, possibly see who came at 50. His price hasn't moved, has it? They've, sh- uh, they've shortened um, most of the others with uh, Louis' withdrawal. Um, I just don't know what he he's going to do. That's the worry, isn't it? No, I know. He's, he's one of yours, isn't he? Um, so around about that price, I was... Redmond was 40. 
I was I was pretty happy with uh, with taking that as I still may well be um, taking it at current price as well. So at that price, no, I, I, I'm I'm sticking with uh, I'm sticking with Redmond at those sort of prices. To go further into your um, it's an up and comers event. Henrik Stenson's my next one. <laughs> yeah, you've um, got an old one like haven't you? It's just right. So last week he was kind of like I think he was sort of thirty-five to one biggest price. I think it was twenty-five and thirties about him. Um, and I kind of gone well, you know, I think it's a bit of a trap price because he's going to be a standout name in a small field and he's not really going to do a lot. And then he finished twenty-first, and I thought, well, one, I was kind of surprised he played an event full stop. He hasn't. He generally tends to play a light schedule, and even definitely in this kind of uh, pandemic he's he's barely played but I think it speaks a lot that he played there and then followed it straight up with playing here as well uh, we talk about Don of Ross he's won the Tour Championship and he's won the Wyndham in record setting, setting fashion at 22 under par um, so he likes those types of courses brilliant iron player on his day as we know 50 to 1 um, 8 places 6 places are available I just thought that was a massive price at, at someone that's a you know this is a class player when he's right isn't it absolutely different gear when he's right um and i I know i know again it's it's been a while since he played like that but how much do we go back yeah exactly Um, and that's a concern but it's not like he would he would um it would be an intimidation factor for me if someone was playing against him on the final day and even more so than Zach Johnson, I think. I think if someone was coming head toe to toe as Henrik Stenson down the uh, down the stretch, I think that would be enough to put plenty of people off their game, um, especially when they're trying to win for the first time. We, we talk about, you know, or I talk about the fact that it's been a long time since since he's played well. I mean, he, was, he, he won in December. I know it was a small, you know, limited 18 field event, but he beat every, all yeah. the best players in the world: Ram, Reed, Woods, Rose, Thomas. You know, it's. It's hard because it's basically a meaningless event. Um, but he, he was middling in the uh, in the Felix St. Judy. He was 35th. And I think people have kind of overlooked him because he's missed the cuts. But he missed the cut on a number at the PGA Championship. And again, I think the US Open is such a different test that I think anyone can miss the cut. And I, I just I just think that there's got to be there's got to be a reason why he's playing because he doesn't need to play. It's no he's not there's no obligations. It's not a sponsor's obligation. It's not. Um, a keep your card situation. Is it Ryder Cup point? Maybe, maybe. But then that, again, if that is the reason, then even more so take advantage of why you're in this kind of field because that would, that would, if that was what he was going for, that would even motivate him even more because I think that that's a that's a massive drive for him. I don't I don't know how motivated he is to get mm. into that team, but if he is, then yeah, oh then yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Then yeah. fill your boots at fifty to one because I just think that. I just, I just think it's a, a big price at, in a field that's filled with uncertainties. I know that the, the shortest player in the field is probably um, potentially the best. I think he's, a, you know, could be a multiple major winner, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Plenty of wins, but Stenson and, and Zach Johnson have proven it as major winners, and they've done it all, isn't it? There's nothing to be left to said about them. They've, they've been there and done it. And yeah, I'm going with Team Oldies this week. Yeah, it's absolutely fair enough. We've no idea what he's gonna what he's gonna turn up, but if that is a sign, um, yeah, absolutely. Why not? I mean, you, I can't remember who it was you pointed out in Scotland with exactly the same sort of argument, wasn't it? Um, where where there was a sign just last yeah, week, then yeah. 
Yeah, 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 Loughton. So, you know, again, same sort of thing, isn't it? Um, it, yeah, if that was a sign, then he's he's fifty one. Is far too right, big to, to me. Yeah, I and, and why he's not yeah, the Scottish read. Open. Yeah, I would have said that. Um, so does it? Does he think it's a course it, it? that that suits him because it's a Donald Ross track? Does he think that you know? Does he see this as a weaker field than the Scottish Open? So go and get yourself some points and get other rankings. It's to do with the travel. He says he's not gonna he's not gonna go to Europe until December. Oh yeah, no, I think I did hear that actually. Um, again, that makes sense, um, but he doesn't need to play, does he? That's the other thing I would say. He can play whenever he wants. So uh, maybe it's just a case he just wants to get some reps in before the Masters. <laughs> I don't know. Without speaking to him personally, I, I have no idea what his motivations are. But there was enough last week to say that he's playing well enough. I, I'm pretty convinced it's the Ryder yeah. Cup, um, the Ryder Cup points, um, and you might as well try and nick him at an easier yeah. tournament, mightn't you? In nice, in nicer weather. Um, you know, at least in the same country as you live. Yeah, no, that makes sense. It makes yeah. complete sense. It's still, uh, if anything, it kind of... It's a big price either way. Yeah, yeah it's fair, it's fair it kind of It kind yeah. of even motivates me more because I think, well, actually, there's a reason for him to play rather than just, well, he might as well take advantage of a bit of good form from last week. So, yeah, absolutely. That's, for me, he's uh, a better 15.55 to 1. Um, any others around his price? Um, no, I didn't have anybody around that. Oh, yeah. yes, Pat Perez. Pat Perez, my my apologies, yeah, um, sixty or one, I think I've I've got it noted down as, um, yeah, and he's sixty, yeah, yeah. So Pat Perez, um, same sort of argument, um, top ten um, at the Safeway, um, which you know, so I'm I'm putting my faith in this one. <laughs> so if it goes wrong, it goes wrong. Um, he's actually playing okay at the moment, um, you know, uh, top anyway. Sorry, top ten at the Safeway. Obviously, he's got that win in uh, the Mayakoba, which also fits here. Um, he's 17 strokes gain putting, which will be very, very important here. Um, as I say, he's got form in, in the right thing. He comes here in form, which which I think is important. He's ranked um, he's ranked second uh, strokes gain putting at the Safeway. Um, if you want to go to the old-fashioned putting averages, he was top 10 at the Safeway and last week, where he performed really well in the final round. Um so yeah, for me, um, as much as I'm, yeah, leaving emotion out of it, and and we know that he's potentially going to blow up at some point, or you know, just do something wrong and and then blow up in in his own head. Um, Sixty to one, I thought was was a very fair price in in the context of this field. Um, again, just because of course correlation and the and the stats and the skill set that's required. Um, Fritelli was was. Um, lobbed out of the argument because of the various stats and where, where he lies on, on a couple of those, whereas Perez comes into it. Um, and that's what I'm relying on, to be honest. Yeah, no, I get that completely. I think I think with Perez, it was one of those ones where um, I thought he was perfect for last week. Um, I thought he was too short for last week for what he was, but I thought it was. I expected him to be right up there and he, and he played well enough and, and he played well at the Safeway. So he doesn't play this event, so there's a reason he wants to string it together. Again, there's there's obviously reasons to play. There's money available. It's uh, it's not a terrible part of the world, etc. But um, I just it's worth looking into why they want to play this this field and, and this event. And and if he's playing well, then why not string it together? Um, I thought about Rafa Cabrera Bello. Now, when we last spoke about him, he finished almost dead last in the um, WGC field, didn't he? Um, and then he's kind of bounced back from that. He had a 
a 37th place finish at the Wyndham, um, which is obviously a correlating course. And he's actually got great form there. He's got a 5th and 11th. He was 23rd at the US Open last time out. Had a really bad final day, 78, which pushed him back. Um, but if, if that Wyndham forms anything to go by, then, then maybe he's a decent bet in this field. I, he's, he's a player that I don't... I thought he should be at the Scottish Open because he's, he's won a Scottish Open. He loves Lynx golf. Um, but he's staying over here. I'm guessing, I'm guessing again, it's travel, isn't it? It's travel-based as to why he's over here and, and it's easier to stay here and play in the fields that he gets in. But um, I just thought that maybe at 80-1, to he was someone to look at. Yeah, I mean, you know that I like him at silly big prices for like yeah. top 10s and top 20s on the really big events. Um, and he, he went through a stage, I mean, that St. Jude was just, um, well, that was just, oh, his stats were just, they're just, they were just so, no, but genuinely, we yeah. know what he is. You know, he's, he finds greens and he's not doing that at the moment. You know, he always finds greens, you know, and, and he lets himself down with pain. And the fact that he's not doing that and his iron game is all over the shop. I couldn't have him until it until it I just I just thought because there was at least a little bit of life from him at the US Open, and I guess because it was a tough event, um, he maybe just uh, he's confident at making bogeys at the moment, so he was okay with doing that. It wasn't getting to his head, but um, yeah, I don't know. I just thought that again, it's one of those events where I don't have a massively strong take on anybody. Um, and I'm just kind of looking for names that, that stick out to me. And, and he was one that I thought was worth looking at. Cameron Percy plays really well in these types of events. He's probably never going to win. Um, it's just, it's one of those events for me. I just find it really difficult to get up for. Um, we're all kind of waiting for that one event on the PGA Tour, which is is the major coming up at the Masters. And it's not that far away now, really, is it? I think it's, was it 43 days or something? Um, there's a there's a yeah. few players in here that are sharpening their tools for that. There's plenty they're just having weeks off until then. Um, I don't know, mate. It's where we've gone from the Scottish Open, where there was you know who do we not want to pick? This one I'm, I'm scratching around a bit. Yeah, I mean you know I put up earlier this this earlier today that I thought uh, Brian Stewart was a big price at ninety. I still think he's a big price at ninety. But having discussed a couple of others, I'd probably favour him a bit more. But I'm still on. Um, it is based on again correlative form so tied third at the Safeway 17th at Safeway uh, obviously form at Mike Coba um, he's actually playing he's actually playing pretty well um, he's not the most exciting <laughs> tip I've ever put up and certainly Feels not the a bit most Bryce exciting I've ever put up it's very, no it's not as bad <laughs> as Bryce Garnett but it's probably similar to a Hudson Swafford or something like that if anybody was lucky enough to I mean it's, he's a giant of know, a man unbelievable um, why have you interviewed him um, uh, yeah unbelievable play on 17 and 18 yesterday it was just incredible um, so anyway back to Stewart he, he's playing really really well got obviously as I say got that tied third at the safe way some really good stats um, distance isn't really going to matter here I don't think um, played okay over the weekend did catch my eye going up the field and then obviously um, when the others started you know it, it slowly went backwards hasn't done badly around here to be honest with you uh, fourth top 30 I mean I know it's not awesome but I just thought there were some doubts um, on the players that are above him that I thought you know I'd be happy to take the chance at 90 um, just the way he's playing you know if you've got to be informed and you've got to have if you've got to have those um, 
those form lines than he suited me, to be honest with you. And uh, yeah, whilst I'm not as bullish as I was about four <laughs> hours ago, um, I'm not unhappy that I'm on. He'll find greens. Um, and very similar to so many of these, it'll just be a matter of, you know, if the ball drops. I thought you might have liked your mate Russell Knox. I thought he was someone that kind of made a bit of an appeal in this sort of event. Um, yeah, it's just, I just, I just find it hard. I'll tell you played. Sorry, I'll tell you played really well and, and was Tyler McCumber yeah. Sunday. Now that you are based it, basing it on the fact that he's going to, he's going to bring that in, but it must be, hugely confident I mean I've got no other reason to fancy him at all to be perfectly honest with you um, and his putting had they not hit the state had they not hit the sticks could have gone five six feet past but some of his putting on, on Sunday was just incredible and if there's anything that's going to give you um, confidence it's going to be formed with a flat stick um, you know I don't know you tell me that's his best that's his best performance ever can he kick on from there he hasn't got anything else that I can recommend him with but 150 at one after what he did last week. If they're betting top 20 this week, maybe, you know. Yeah, it, it's just one of those. I think Carlos Ortiz has got a couple of top fives here. He was interesting. Yeah, he's got a um, You know, you've yeah. got, um, you've just got a, a lot of journeyman pros amongst a couple of, of talented youngsters. You've got Robbie Shelton, Sahith Thagala, you know, Davis Riley's, hmm. uh, you know, the, the, the Corn Ferry Tour guy that's not talked about, even though he's won twice and Xandosaurus won once so and they're roommates so he must uh, mm. must be a decent partner to have on a golf course but it's um, yeah I'd, it's just one of those ones where you could probably make a case for 10 people without getting excited about 8 of them like for me it's just it, <laughs> yeah, it, it yeah. is one of those events I think that if you find the winner this week you're more than likely going to find a, a reasonably priced one Chris Kirk someone that you know he's finished uh, second here before um, obviously, won in the Corn Ferry Tour recently after a long, long time away. It's, you know, when I start to see players like Chess and Hadley and, you know, Charlie Hoffman's still 66 to 1 when he's not really the best player in the world anymore. <laughs> like, it's, well, he never was, but, you know, up there in terms of leading masters and things like that. You know, Hudson Swafford has, has obviously just uh, had himself a week, but it's, you know, it's just a tough event. It's a really tough event to get right. Um, it's a really tough event to get excited about. It's why I've just gone with two, two proven commodities in the hope that they can um, over, you know, pass their value. Uh, I did speak to you about Luke List earlier, um, top eight last week, but that's that's the kind of the angle that we're at. I think you know if if Scheffler beat Vazalatoris by two. I wouldn't be surprised because it's that type of event, like you say, that, that treats an up and comer well, and, and both of those fit their category. Yeah, I yeah. think I don't think there's anything much more I want to say on that because I just I don't like the event. I was really heavily invested in the Scottish Open, so I think we should uh, summarise our picks over there. I'll let you go first. Um, in Scottish. Yep. You talk while I turn me bits paper I'll shuffle out the noise, shall I? Yep. Right. So Lager Grin, um, or however you say it properly. Um, I think speaks for himself yeah, at fifties. Like um, yeah, uh, uh, Andrew Johnson. I'm convinced he's overpriced. Um, I'm convinced he's playing better. Hopefully, he turns up okay. Again, roughly the same price. I've talked myself into Campio. Um, I think he makes perfectly good sense uh, forming the wind. Um, 
hormone undulations. Yeah, I mean, form everywhere, form in the country. So it's absolutely fine. So Campio, again, around about the 50, 55 to one mark. And potential for Sammy Valamaki, uh, don't know, ace is big. As you say, if he, if it, you know, if he does drift a little bit on the exchanges, maybe he gets added. Um, and there was Nick Colsarts at 200, 300, whatever he's going to be on the exchanges as the Betfair pick for the yeah, week. Absolutely. I'll, I'm with you on Lagergren. I like Romain Langasque at 45 to 1. Um, Benjamin Hebert, 50 to 1. Uh, there was a couple of mentions for Ryan Fox at 66 and 80 to 1. That sort of price there. Um, and I talked about Southgate and Gagley as, as outsiders. I'm not necessarily going to pick those as. Uh, official picks. There was one mention, that one guy that we didn't mention that I wanted to, I said to you that I wanted to speak about. I'll do it very quickly now, if anyone's got this far, is Lucas Bjerregaard, because I think that there is signs that he's on his way back. Uh, he's obviously won a Dunhill Lynx uh, in the past, and he was 51st last week after finishing 27th in Portugal. Um, and he's shot a 68 opening round. I don't think there's enough there at the moment for him to, to suddenly come back and win, um, because, you know, he didn't actually find that 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 easier that you know his peak did he but um i think there's signs that he's getting back to his game back in shape and it's worth keeping an eye on him sanderson's farm championship i'm going to go with two elder statesmen zach johnson at 35 to 1 and henrik stenson at 50s and 55s uh, in the hope that they can roll back the years and show these uh, journeymen and young up-and-comers how to play golf how about you yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, this is going to be small stakes, um, may play and running, but I think it's going to end up, I think the win's going to be obvious, to be honest with you, by the time of his But uh, Pat Perez, Brian Stewart of the sort of old guard, I think they're solid. Um, they'll need the rock to roll um, to get their, their top five, but we'll see what happens. Um, I think Doc Redman looks absolutely solid. And to be honest, if you... If you want to play Scotty Scheffler to, to cover all your stake, can't argue no, with it. I think Redmond's one of those where I find it really hard to be confident in him. And I think that's because he always seems to go off at a slightly smaller price. I mean, there was a, there was a week, wasn't there, where he went off at like a ridiculously short hmm. price and everyone was, he was the butt of all jokes on, again, I don't think he cares. Yes, um, that's right. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, when he's, you look at an exchange and he's still almost 40 to 1. I think, well, I'd probably rather just back him win only in the hope that he's going to, um, he's just going to do it and get over the line with two third place finishes in the last three starts. Um, but yeah, I just, I can see exactly why he's being backed. That's, that's for sure. So I think we're happy with those picks. Um, we haven't got any confectionery to talk about. You did mention uh, fruit and foods that go together. Fruit, with fruit meat. and meats. Now, mm-hmm. how do we get to grapes and cheese? How do we get to uh, beef and what is it? No, it's pork and apple. Beef and, beef beef and, and rhubarb. Uh, you know, how do you get to those kind of combinations? Who had those first? I just want to know who done it first. I just pork want to know who apple. did it first. Who looked at? Who looked at? Yeah, you know, did before that? Did they go? Oh, I know. I'll have a bit of you know bacon and you know kumquat or something. Yeah, you know, or dragon fruit and lamb. You know, dragon before they realised that. Lamb. You know, the apricot went with lamb. You know, uh, what? I'm uh, just interested. Uh, you know, I love food, and you know, I'm just interested to know that. So, if anybody does know, we're looking for um, we're looking for origins, aren't we? That's what we're looking for. Um, how how did those yeah. come about? How did 
the meats and cheese and uh... cheese and grapes. I mean, if you have if you have, you know, an extra mature vintage cheddar with a grape, it's a magnificent thing in the mouth. It's just unbelievable. But, you know, somebody must have at one point done that accidentally and gone, geez, this is this is unbelievable. You need to try this. Do you think that's before people found out what, you know, really nice combinations were that actually works and you know they've just lasted the test of time yeah i think they must have had it's what was what chefs do professionally isn't it they, they're always they're always um experimenting aren't they but obviously you don't hear about the ones that are like you know dark chocolate with you know pink puree or anything <laughs> you don't hear about them but they they have been but they have been tried haven't they they're tried because otherwise we're always going to be oh well, you would just be eating victoria sponge we know that um, chuck a grape so yeah i mean you know it's, it's just it's just i love food i wish i wish i'd done food in some way <laughs> is it know? because of profession or is it like you you wish you ate yeah, more of it did you, yeah. did you neglect i wish it? i ate more of it i wish i'd done it as a, yeah i wish i'd done it as a profession yeah, no it's uh... maybe a podcast on food would have been far more successful oh, well, yeah i can't <laughs> i can't offer any expertise in that i'll certainly keep the uh the program running for you to record but I, wasn't <laughs> I watched a great film uh on food of it was it i think it's simply just called chef or something like that he goes around in a uh, little camper van have you seen that one i haven't uh, seen uh, that one John Favreau, no. and, he, and he uh he loses his job in a popular restaurant and uh he, he sets up his own little food truck i think you really enjoy that on the basis of food so that'll be your homework for the week is to go and watch the film okay. called chef it's a comedy good fun okay um and Robert Downey Jr. is in a cameo role in that one, um, as which makes sense in the Marvel link. Go and watch it. You'll enjoy it. And uh, we'll come back and talk about that next week, rather than actually just cheese and grapes altogether. <laughs> but, but yes, if anyone's got any uh, indication on that, I'm sure it goes back to probably predates Henry VIII and things like that, and, and why they were just sitting there being served things while they just sat on their ass and did nothing. But... Uh, you know, whilst I slog over golf bets every week, we don't get I don't get fed cheese and I don't know if you get fed cheese and crackers and grapes whilst you're doing this sort of stuff, but I certainly don't. Maybe I'll go and have some now. I do, that's, <laughs> that's, that's why you go silent every now and then, isn't it? That's why I like you doing the longer introductions. When I, when I was giving you something to when I ask you an opinion on something, you suddenly go quiet, it's because you're stuffing your face. That's what it is. <laughs> I know how you're being looked after, I know where your mind's yeah. gone. That's it absolutely Bourneville and lamb that's yeah, my favourite Bourneville's got to come out of the freezer is it yeah oh absolutely <laughs> right we'll, we'll wrap it up for the week anyway and uh, look forward to I think it'd be too I think that the Scottish Open certainly be the better viewing event um, and it'll probably be interesting to see uh, who does get the event uh, who does get the win here because I think that although I don't like the event although I find it a difficult betting event I think there is some good storylines to come out of this if Scheffler or Zalatoris get the win here uh, or even Redmond you know, if any of these guys, Sam Burns, if they can get these get these wins that they're looking for and in the hunt for, it'd be certainly interesting for the rest of the season. Yeah, absolutely. Let's, uh, let's wrap it up yeah. there. Cheers for that, Jason. Well, uh, good luck to you. Go and put another 54-hole leader up. And if you're going to do that, let me know first before you put it out. And then, uh, yeah, away we go. Thank you. Well, thank you very much, Tom. Good, good luck to you, Jason. Soon.